Good evening, it's Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another episode of Be Unique's Unscripted, where we talk to artists, musicians, performers, and business professionals. My name is Tony Taylor, I'll be your host for this evening. You know, you could spend your Thursday nights anywhere, and we are excited you're spending it with us. The conversation is cool, it's calm, and it's casual. You can also be a part of the conversation by dialing 516-418-5651. Now, before we begin, let's talk about why you need to get on your phone and go to BeUnique.org. That's B-U-N-E-K-E.org. Here's what Be Unique is all about. Our mission is to work today to change tomorrow using digital mediums to connect the world with professional storytelling and media production. We work to educate, inspire, and foster positivity and creativity worldwide through video, audio, and a spectacular literary magazine featuring writers from around the world. The newest Be Unique magazine is out right now, and you can read it online along with Be Unique Brevard magazine, the Space Coast premier magazine. Be Unique is also a media powerhouse. Not only do you get this incredible podcast hosted by me, Tony Taylor, but 11 other shows. So sit back, get comfortable, and get ready to dial 516-418-5651 with your questions, comments, and whatever else you may want to say. Let's meet our guest. <laughs> All right. Good evening, everybody. It is Thursday night, and you are listening to Unscripted. My name is Tony Taylor, and we have an incredible guest for you tonight, somebody who has uh, been really an amazing force in my life personally. Uh, she's a producer. Uh-huh. She's also a festival director. She's an instructor, and she is a terrific mom. Please welcome to the show, everybody, Lori Church. And Lori, thank you for being with us this evening. It is fantastic having you. How are you doing this evening? Uh, good. Thank you, Tony. I'm pr- I'm honored to be part of your your podcast. Okay. This is my. I first. really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could think of a line from Goodfellas, but it's not that kind of show. Um, but anyway, it, it is it is really really a, a pleasure having you here. And uh, if on a personal note, before we begin, um, I just want to say that um, I uh, would not have had the incredible run and the incredible privilege of being in the film industry. Had it not been for this lady here on the other line, um, this lady found me right out of film school, and uh, she gave me my first opportunity. And with all of the knowledge that I gained in film school, my cinematography background, my audio background, uh, my set construction background, I went into this commercial and uh, picked up cigarette butts. (laughs) (laughs) But we all have to start somewhere. And I started with a broom and a and a uh, and a, and a pail, and uh, and that was my first job. And it was all because of this wonderful lady here on the was other that, line. And I was can't that thank you Penny enough. Hardaway commercial. That was Little Penny. Yes, it was. Little Penny. Oh that my was our God! Little Penny that was Hardaway. our first job together, Tony. That was our first job together. Yes, it was. Wow, that was a big job. Yes, it was. was a it was job. a big job, and it was a lot of cigarette butts too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that was you back know, in the day. It was such a taboo to smoke back then. <laughs> uh, that was, a, and everybody did. It was so amazing. Yes. everybody did. Everybody smoked. If you didn't have a cigarette in your hand, you weren't on a set. 
So uh, we, you know, that was those were the days. But Lori, first off, I want yeah. I want to talk about um, you know you are you are you've been a producer for decades. Um, why don't you let our audience know first of all how did you how did you get interested in filmmaking, and uh, how did it all begin for you? Well, um, it actually started with me wanting to be a sound engineer, recording arts, um, go and go to like a special recording arts school in Manhattan. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn, uh, much like what Full Sail started out as. And my parents said, no, it's too expensive. And I said, I'll show you. I'm going to go to college in San Diego. (laughs) 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 But even before that, I went to uh, college at Brooklyn College, and a friend of mine who I've known since I'm three said, take the Film 101 class. It's an easy A. And um, I did, and I loved the fact that I could go to school and watch movies. (laughs) And uh, I... I fell in love with San Diego. San Diego State had an amazing, uh, highly accredited film school. And uh, after I graduated from San Diego State, I just made my way to Los Angeles and, you know, just goes from there. You know, it was really sort of um, haphazard. I mean, I just called production company after production company until someone said, hold on, I just quit and put me through to who was hired. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, yeah, literally. I mean, I just would sit there and make call after call after call. And, uh, yeah, it's just very serendipitous. <laughs> when you when you got into the film industry, I mean, when you got into the film, did you have in a certain direction you wanted to go? No, I, mean, I just wanted to wear high heels and a dress. <laughs> <laughs> I was so tired of schlepping gear. You know, my film partner in, in college didn't have a car, and oh I had a V-Dub bug, and that was <laughs> the lighting grip, wardrobe prop, whatever we needed it to be. And the and, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, so yeah, I just, we did everything when we were in school and, um, I forgot where I was going with that. What was the question? <laughs> did you have a direction? <laughs> did you have no, a direction? I didn't have you a were, direction. You wanted to go. I, I mean, did really, you look at, I'm sorry, Lori, go ahead. Now, you know, here's the thing, like most film students, I want to be a director. I right. just I, I'm really serious when I say I just really wanted to wear a dress and high heels, and um, I <laughs> I got a job as a receptionist at a super high end um, commercial production company. Wow! Um, and it just went from there, you know, like things just kind of happened, you know. Right. Right. I, I, you know, I mean, and being a receptionist at a high-end production company, well, you just, you meet everyone. They've got to get through you to get anywhere, you know. That's true. So, um, you know. Did you get a lot of pride? Did you get a lot of pride? No. No. I think they were scared of me. You know, again, in those days, smoke, (laughs) I had the red, I had the red lipstick with the gravel voice, you know. (laughs) Not sure if I was a man or a woman, you know. (laughs) And who am I speaking with? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, but no, no, not at all. You know, if anything, I was, you know, I, I got to work on every production, um, that went through, you know, when people called back 
about call times and whatnot, you know, I let them through or I gave them those directions and, you know, I dealt a lot with, um, you know, the billing after the fact. So I was very cognizant when I went freelance on how important it was to do good paperwork, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, well, you know, I've always been like an office worker. I'm really good with like (laughs) filing. I know my alphabet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) all 26 letters, huh? Backwards All and 26 letters, every combination. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, you know, I've always been good at accounting and, and that kind of stuff and office work. And, you know, that's, to be quite honest, what got me promoted to being a coordinator is that I could type fairly fast. And I was like, uh, you know, Rembrandt with the whiteout, you know. Um, you know, cause now, you know, I don't have to tell you how many times a call sheet changes or a pre-production oh, yeah. book changes and, you know, you got to keep, you know, revising it. And, um, right. you know, in the, in the business world, my typing skills are, are minimal at best, but in the production world, I could type really fast, you know, so, right. Um, and I was really good with whiteout, and that's really how I went to the next level in my career. <laughs> what? So it was high heels, dress, and whiteout. That's what did it. <laughs> I, I smell Pretty a book much. title there, Lori. I smell a book title. Um, so, Lori, you eventually, though, you know, progressed from you know starting out as a receptionist, and then making your way into being a producer on commercials. Can you describe a little bit? I mean, a lot of people, you know, it's funny you mentioned that earlier, too. You said, you know, all I want to do when I get out of school is direct. I don't hear that a lot about all I want to do is produce. Can you describe in detail about what it's like to be a producer and what a producer actually does on a production? Well, you know, depending, yeah, depending on what production, um, you know, because, you know, a, a producer is, has a, a slightly different role if it's a feature film or a TV show or a commercial. But the right. actual line producer, the person who's dealing with the day-to-day handling of money, scheduling, that kind of right. thing, which is what I did, is, you know, people don't think of it as being creative, but you have right. to know how to juggle that money, you right. know, and... um I just always had really good office skills. I mean, even before I went to college, I worked at a, in a buying office. Um, you know, the other thing is, is I never said no to a job. I, I worked in every single department I could possibly work right. in. Right. Um, you know, barring, you know, like lighting and grip, but God knows I've collected my share of Apple boxes and coiled wires, <laughs> you know. Um and while I haven't operated a camera, I certainly have shipped my share of film and dealt right. with labs and whatnot back in the day. So I think by sheer virtue of the fact that I kind of did a little bit of everything right. made me a better producer because I understood what it took or what it takes to do everyone else's job and gotcha. how to set everyone else up for success. Right. You know, and that's, and really, you know, people don't look at being a a, a producer as being very creative, but, you know, making the amount of money you have, your director's creative vision, 
is not an easy task, you know, and it's really you got to know where to steal from Peter to pay Paul and shuffle things around and, you know, working in the commercial world, right, you know, right, the budget right. was already set, you know, it wasn't right. like, you know, I mean, you know, you can always go back to the client for an overage, um, but no one loves doing that, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Now, is there an yeah. expectation, though? I mean, that's part of what the producer is going to do, though. They absolutely know they're going to have to be able to creatively move and shift that money. Um, but, I mean, outside of the money issue, is there any other de- – is there any of the things that would be – um, interesting to know about what a producer is going to be doing on a production, on a commercial, on a feature film. I'm sorry about that, Lori. Yep. Uh, it's okay. Uh, um, on commercials, <laughs> um, in commercials, a producer's job is to, you know, a, 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 a ad agency has come to a director so that his vision can make their mediocre storyboards that some client paid for amazing. So in a producer in that situation, you're always protective of your director, but you have to sort of be this ambassador between everybody and make sure everyone gets along. Um, You know, when you start getting into feet, (laughs) make sure everyone's playing nice in the sandbox. Everybody's being nice, right? Well, yeah, and sometimes, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think the hardest job I ever had is when my director was also one of the owners of the company. So how do you say no to him? You know, he's well aware of what he's asking and what it could do to their bottom line. But it's right. his company, you know, so it sort of puts me in a bad position, you know. But, um, you know, uh, whereas in feature films, you have these teams, you know, you have Ron mm-hmm. Howard and what's his, what's his, uh, Glazer, not Brian, first name, Brian not Glazer, Mike. Brian Glazer, Brian Glazer, right. you know, right. I mean, you know, uh, Tim Burton used to work with, uh, Denise Denovi. Right. Um, early in his career a lot. You know, he's worked with Danny Elfman a lot, um, I think, right. on, on almost every film of his. So, But a producer, you know, in features, you know, you're helping pick the script, you're helping develop the script, you're raising the money, you know, it's, right. there's a right. lot more to be done. Um, and then TV shows are a whole other beast altogether, you know. Um, there's so many different kinds of producers, and... Um, if you're in the nitty gritty of it in TV, you're the liaison between what's going on on the show and the right. network and what they want, you know, or what they, you know, you got to change this and, you know, the sponsor doesn't like that. So, you know, in every different medium, a producer takes on a different role, but the goal of a producer is to always marry the image with the you know the creative with the money and try not to go over budget right and if you do make it really good so that you make it back because <laughs> <laughs> so, here's Lori, what i'm going to many... tell you if if you okay. give people what they want and it goes right. over budget all they're going to remember is that you gave them what they wanted they're not going to remember that you went over budget you know That's true. so you better deliver is what yeah. you're saying yeah yeah, you better deliver. So, Lori, how many years actually do you were you a producer? 
Um, well, you know, I always worked in production. Um, I came, became a producer uh, shortly after moving here. Um, okay. I hadn't really produced when I lived in LA. I was more of a you know production manager, production coordinator. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, I worked in the industry um, in different capacities, and eventually, you know, as a producer for like twenty years before I right. started teaching film. Um, and then, of course, since I started teaching film, my role has kind of shifted in to, you know, one being an educator and then keeping some side gigs um, right, available. Right, like, right. Um, yeah, like I manage the Global Peace Film Festival, which um, we're, we're still, that, I right. believe submissions are still open on Film Good. Freeway. Um, but that's at uh, peacefilmfest.org. That happens the third week in September during International Peace Week. Um, okay. And then I also curate a film contest for um, an organization called Fusion Fest, um, which we are presently looking for filmmakers and people to tell stories about, or that the filmmakers will, um, and that happens over Thanksgiving weekend. But the actual making of the film happens at the end of August, um, where we literally randomly pair a filmmaker with a person whose story they're going to tell. And I pre-produce all the movies. So like if we make 23 movies, I'm producing 23 movies. And I mean, oh my three gosh, to five what minutes. a schedule. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, um, the second year we did it, we gave the filmmakers 48 hours. Um, oh, and okay. I, we did 20, we did 23 films that year. I was like blown away. And then COVID hit, and we couldn't do right. quite as many. Um, right. People weren't as willing to come out and play. Um, and uh, and then last year, we still had some COVID issues, but we last year we did 16 films. So, um, you know, we have about 50 films altogether so far, so that's not too shabby. No, and I, I definitely want to talk about that in greater length. Um, where I was going, though, is exactly where you went, which was – You've taken your years of experience as a producer, and now you're an instructor, and you're an instructor at a school here in Orlando. Why don't you tell us about what the school is, what it's all about? Because we have a lot of listeners that are outside the country, may not know about it, may be interested in it. Okay. But uh, you've taken um, you've taken all of these years, and now you're instructing. Do you want to tell us, talk a little bit about that and what you enjoy about it and sure. what you feel um, you can contribute? Yeah, well, you know, after working in an industry for 20-plus years in just about every capacity, um, and, you know, and more than just film, I'm, I've worked in conventions, music video, I've worked in just about every aspect of media there is in one way or another, and um, I bring all of that to the table. Um, so when I started teaching, I started teaching screenwriting, Um and that was fun. And then um, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, Lori. I got a little... Tell us where you Good. teach. Oh yeah, I tell teach us... at Full Sail University. Um, okay, it's over in Winter Park at University and uh, Aloma, and right. um, it's a school that's dedicated to uh, the entertainment world and you know the right. business entertainment world. Um, so. After a couple of years of teaching screenwriting, I transferred over to film history. 
which I've been teaching now for 15 years or 16 years. And I think, you know, how my experience helps there is, you know, what our course teaches, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I took this class in high school. And it's like, no, you didn't take this class in high school. <laughs> you know, and we, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you probably watched Citizen Kane, blah, blah, blah. But this is where you're going to learn about the right. art and business, right. the commerce and, and, and the things that influence censorship, right. you know, all these things that people right. just don't, I think, I think I just have this, like overall look on just about anything I do and approach right. it like a producer, you know, and, right. and I don't know, you know, I guess to some extent you can learn that, but I think some of it's just instinctual. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think I've always been a teacher. I mean, you know, you worked with me, you were interested in yeah. being an AD. So right. if, the AD department needed help, I threw you to the AD department. If I worked with someone that told me they were interested in camera, right. Right. I threw them right. to the camera department. Mark you know, McDevitt, I was always yep. a, yeah, I was yep. always a nurturer, you know? No, absolutely. That's the truth. And I love the fact that you brought up the fact that you bring, you do teach film history because I, what I wanted to talk to you about with that subject is you've brought up some really interesting points in our conversations that we've talked about. And you've, you know, you've talked about how, as human beings on this earth, we've been making movies for centuries, correct? Yeah. I mean, we've been literally making movies for centuries. You want to talk a little bit about that? Okay. Well, Well, how have we been um, doing that? (laughs) Well, you know, I I have this um, talk I give about um, visual narrative storytelling, and really um, cave paintings were the first so-called motion pictures because what most people interpret as a herd of buffalo has actually come to be seen as one buffalo in motion. So man, and I mean that, you know, generally speaking, humankind um, has always been a visual storyteller. Um, And, you know, it just took us till 1888, you know, when the first motion picture camera was invented Um, to get up to speed. But, you know, we're right back to where we were in cave paintings and hieroglyphs because we talk in emojis all the time when we text. Ah, symbols. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, people make entire sentences with emojis. And, um, you know, visual storytelling is a shorthand, and there's actually a language to cinema that, you know, so many students, why do I have to know that? Well, you got to know the rules before you can break right. them, you know? Right. And well, everyone's so ready is... to break them, but they don't want to learn right. them, you know? Right. I mean, how important is it to know the history of film? You know, let's say, for instance, I'm going to Full Sail and I want to be a filmmaker. I mean, how important do you feel it is for me to know exactly what Buster Keaton was trying to accomplish way back when as it applies to being a filmmaker now. Has it changed well, much? I mean, are we still using those same well, rudimentary uh, ideas? Well, that I mean, slapstick has existed from the beginning of filmmaking. I mean, it's a visual right. way to sell comedy. You know, you, you see a guy throw a pie and you think it's headed to the other guy and 
they cut <laughs> and the other guy ducks and it hits the rich lady walking through right. the door. You know, that's all, the pearls, that's always right? funny. But yes. what changed is sound and things like Groucho Marx and Mae West that, you know. Well, what impact um, did sound have? I mean, what, what, did it, what impact well, did sound give the film? Well, you know, it also sort of coincided with um, censorship. And what right. it did is make for a lot of very um, witty dialogue. I mean, when you think of, you know, Mae West, come up and see me when I'm bad, I'm better. Um, you know, it was all, you know, I mean, it was all very, you know, Groucho Marx. I mean, my God, some of the things he said, if you really like think about what he's saying, it's like, holy crap, you know? Um, so sound had a lot to do. Um, slapstick will always be there. I mean, certainly Laurel and Hardy, you know, Mm -hmm. made the, the transition because they were always visual and then they just added, um, you know, um, some witty dialogue and, you know, they kept going and then some people, you know, couldn't make it at all. And for others, it opened doors, you know, Carol Lombard, um, WC Fields, you know, I mean, oh my God, talk talk about nasty. Holy moly. You know? Oh yeah, (laughs) definitely. So yeah, comedy really, you know, again, nothing exists in a vacuum and, it took a while for that to happen. And, you know, um, again, we're still doing slapstick and what's changed is maybe the milieu in which we're talking about, you know, maybe now it's the story is centered around computers and whereas maybe before right. it was about the book publishing, you know, writing, you know, on a typewriter, you know, so those kinds right. of things change, but, you know, love stories, all that stuff is is timeless. You know. Do you find any? So. I mean, do you, do you find any? I don't want to say resistance. Do you find any uh, pushback though on on uh, people getting into the industry now, recognizing the, the the historical importance of the early filmmakers? Yeah. Is that something you really <laughs> have to? <laughs> How do you get them interested in watching a Laurel and Hardy film? Well, you know, we show them a lot of films when I teach. Um, here's the problem is the kids that are younger, to them, old movies are the 80s. Okay, I was in college <laughs> in the 80s, you know? <laughs> I know. So, I know. Oh, oh, boy. <laughs> Let me grab my Geritol for a minute. I'm feeling really old. Oh, my God. You know, but like when I show them and, you know, like, um, like we show them, we asked my online class to watch the movie, The Cameraman and by Buster Keaton. And in it, there's a monkey that plays a significant role, which is very reminiscent of the monkey in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, and okay. Yeah, you know, so like, you know, it's sort of the sidekick, you know, and and they don't know that, you know, and it's like if you watch the movie, The Artist, and when they show the room with all his possessions with sheets over them, that's an homage to Citizen Kane, and they don't know that. We tried showing Citizen Kane. It landed like a lead balloon. They didn't get it, (laughs) you know? What movie did they, what what movies do they consider? Well, what movies do they consider uh, classics, and what movies 
still resonate with the younger generation, you think? A lot of horror. They're very into horror. Okay. It's really kind of okay. it's kind of morbid, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> sci-fi, sci-fi seems to be a huge, um, you know, fantasy sci-fi. Right. Um, they really don't seem to be too interested in learning about what came way before them. You know, right. they just can't seem to wrap their heads around it, and yet they're so much to be learned from yes. what they're not willing to learn, you know? Yes. yes. Do you, do you, uh, what do you try to instill in your students? Uh, through to be the, relentless. The, really? What do you be mean by relentless. that? Just, well, you know, they're dealing with bureaucracy at college. They're online. Most of my, you know, all of my students these days. So when tech issues come up, you know, they're like, Oh, well, I emailed them and they didn't get back to me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You call them and you stay on the phone until the situation is resolved. And if they say they can't, then you ask to someone else. And that's how production is done. You know, someone, it's funny because I once did a mock interview with a friend of mine that works for CBS promotions and marketing. And he told me that my brand is, I don't take no for an answer. Like if you tell me no, I I dig in my heels. It's like, oh yeah, you just watch <laughs> me, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of what production is. It's talking it is. people into doing the craziest shit that you could ever think of, and them loving every minute of it, you know. You know, I have this recollection. It just reminded me. You said crazy shit. I I remember we were shooting in a neighborhood. And uh, that was the the day that uh, I guess Mr. Jensen decided he was going to mow his lawn. And <laughs> we were like in the middle of his shoot. And I remember you uh, you asked me, you said, you need to go over there and ask him if he'll stop mowing his lawn. And if he will, and if he won't, tell him we have cash. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I that. Students, I'm like, do you know how many lawn people I paid off in my career? <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's like, here's a 50 spot. Can you come back and blow those leaves tomorrow? <laughs> and, well, you know, it's funny because like... I once did um, uh, parent, you know, uh, career day at one of Leo's schools. And, um, your son, Leo's your son, son Leo? And, yeah. yeah. And uh, this one girl in the class said, hell, I'm going to call the film commission and find out where people are filming and I'll show up with the public. And I was like, now that's a producer in the making. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I had a friend of mine named Larry who lived in the uh, downtown district uh, near Lake Eolan in Orlando, Florida, and a really nice neighborhood. And I always told him, I said, listen, if you see a film crew shooting in your neighborhood, Make sure you decide you want to mow your lawn that day. <laughs> because they will it's treat true, you. you know? They will treat you. Hey, listen, Lori, we're going to yeah. take a really quick short break, okay? And okay. then what I'd like to do is come back and talk with you about all of the work you're doing outside of your teaching in the film festival okay. world. Okay? So uh, okay. we're going to take a really Sounds quick like a break right back after this moment. Be Unique Radio brings you unscripted conversations with world changers and difference makers Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on all your favorite platforms. 
Visit BeUnique.org to learn who is scheduled next and how you can talk with our guests and become part of the show. That's B-U-N-E-K-E dot org. See you there. All right, we're back. It's Unscripted. It is Thursday night. I am speaking with Lori Turchin, producer, instructor, and festival director for films. Lori, I wanted to save this last 30 minutes that we have to talk about all the work that you're doing with the Global Peace Film Festival, the work you're doing with the film festivals, how people who are interested in film and who want to make films can have their films done through the festivals. So why don't we start off right now with discussing uh, what the Global Film Festival, Global Peace Film Festival is all about and what you do. Sure. Well, this year we're actually celebrating our 20th anniversary, so it's a big year for us. And um, I actually started uh, working on the festival, oh gosh, I guess maybe it's been about seven or so years now. Um, Mm -hmm. A mutual colleague of mine um, hired me to be a venue manager, and after about two or three years of that, I got promoted to the festival manager and, um, you know, it's just been, you know, I think the thing I love the most about the Global Peace Film Festival is that so many of the filmmakers didn't start out being filmmakers. They were just people that wanted to champion a cause. And right. they found that film was the best way to do that. Um, and then, you know, once you, once you start filming, you kind of catch the bug, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed doing that. You know, I enjoy giving students opportunities to volunteer, um, and open doors, you know, where they can meet and, and talk to filmmakers. And, um, and then as, uh, uh, co- you know, coincidentally during my time as the festival manager, um, uh, my executive director, Nina Strike, um, brought me in on a meeting with um, Fusion Fest, which is uh, Orange County Arts and Culture. Um, Terry That's in Olson, Orlando, Florida, um, right? Orange County? Orange yes, County, Orlando, Florida? Yes, okay. Orange County. Um, it was sort of his, um, I, you know, his baby. And, it, you know, I think they started developing it in like 2016. And then uh, I came on board in 2018 for the first year. And uh, I didn't like the way we were running the festival. You know, none of us knew each other then. So they were very resistant to some of the things, you know, like I'm sitting in that first meeting. I'm like, if we want college students, we better start getting emails out now because school's ending soon. And everyone like poo-pooed me. And uh, I didn't like having to take movies that I didn't like. Right. Um, And then I just came up with this concept. Um, that everyone just fell in love with, um, where we take two strangers um, from who knows where and pair them together and send them off to make a film. And um, well, well, do become... I have to be a film? Pro- do, I'm sorry to interrupt. Do I have to be a film professional though to enter this? I mean, no, if, um, do you look for a resume or do you look for anything like well, that? Well, we do. We ask or um, any social media or if you have a reel that okay. you can show us. But I'd have to say over these last four years, almost except for maybe one year, half half my filmmakers are usually students from either Valen- Valencia, mostly UCF and Full Sail, because, okay. of course, I have 
access to full sale students. Sure. But um, yeah, I'd say except for one year, the uh, first year of COVID, um, half my field of films have been uh, student filmmakers, and I'm so blown away by. Are you? The, the you know. I, I couldn't do it, you know. <laughs> I thought of this great concept, and then I said, okay, you all do it. <laughs> well, isn't, isn't that the whole idea behind a great concept is to let somebody else do it? Exactly. 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 But take credit for it, Louis. Exactly. Take credit for it because it was your concept. Well, no, I – well, I do, and, you know, and again, like I said earlier, I literally pre-produce every film right. for, you know, because here's the thing. These filmmakers have to hit the ground running. So they can't start talking to the person they're going to make the film about, about what they need to do. That's my job. Right. So like right, the right. person who the film is about, I ask them if there's a, a, a dish that has like a few ingredients and have them prepped and ready to go. So in that right. regard, I'm producing a cooking show. Right. And then, you know, are there any locations that you might want to go to? Please make sure they're not far from where you're going to be, you know, preliminary shooting and um, make sure it's okay to shoot there, you know. So, like, I've done a lot of that. So by time my director meets the person, you know, they've been given a dossier with, like, all this information and they just have to hit the ground running. You know, right. So, right, right. Um, and, so you're and that's where, you know, you're overseeing 23 films. Yeah, as basically. many films as we're doing, I produced them all. Yeah, last oh. year I decided that I should start getting credit. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm making everyone add my name to the end of the. Well, you know, hey, you know. Hey, absolutely. No, well, you're, you're doing the work. You're doing the work. And it exactly. seems like to me. It seems to me, though, it's been really, uh, you know, it's been really amazing your 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 growth in the whole production, uh, the whole production process because you've taken this, you know, twenty odd years of being a producer. Now you're actually an instructor in a film school, media school, giving real world, you know, instruction and real world, you know, teaching. You know, you're 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 really telling students. What it's like. I remember one time um, you said to me, wouldn't it be interesting to show in class exactly what a production assistant, which is the lowest position you can get into as you enter the film industry, um, actually does. And I remember you said, bring a coffee pot. <laughs> bring, a coffee, bring, bring a coffee pot and bring and bring, you know, and, and get there early. And it's yeah. amazing how you've gone and taken that, you know, that experience and you've gone from that to instructing people. And now you're actually developing and, and kind of and really kind of creating these this festival uh, situation in a real world environment. And you're taking your skills as a producer and overseeing these films. Um, my question is, how is how exciting is it for you? to watch all of these new folks get into the industry and do what they're doing. Do you still get a kick out of that? Is that something? You know, it's, oh, it's really funny because there's a certain aspect to this film festival that I, I'm the only one that knows certain things. Right. Um, and, you know, and I've seen relationships um, take off and be created and grow and, 
I mean, like I could just make a, a, a documentary about the last five years, you know, these past four or five years of just working on Fusion Fest and, you know, um, just all the different things that have gone wrong, that have gone right, that have right. You know, come as a result of. You know, I had one student the first year who won the student award, and I always tell him, I go, dude, you're like the smartest student I ever had because he realized right. he didn't need film school. He could just go out and do it, and he was good at it, you know. Right, And right. he dropped out of school. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, he's like, hey, you know, $70,000 to go to school, $70,000, I can go buy some pretty decent equipment, you know. I mean, hell, I right. bought two lights on Amazon for $27 with tripods and filters, you know? I know. It's, like, freaking ridiculous. It's so cheap now, you know? It's sort well, of democratized. And, and, and that's the thing, too. I mean, you know, we really didn't have a choice back then because, I mean, the equipment was so expensive and so unacceptable, hmm. except through school. Or if, you know, if you got yeah. lucky enough to be on a film set. But now, I mean, all of the tools that you need to make a great film could be in your back pocket on your phone. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, 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 it's really amazing. Is this um, Finding Sugarman? Is that the one that was filmed entirely on an iPhone? Um, there was that. Um, was it like was also t- Tangerine. Tangerine. I don't, I don't know that one. Oh, okay. That was shot um, all on an iPhone. But, yes. Well, you know, here's the thing that I like about doing documentaries that, you know, um, first of all, they become like the biggest form of filmmaking. Just look at any YouTube cable channel, right. you know, right. American History Channel, HGTV, whatever. And, you know, it really has democratized it. And people don't right. expect a glossy look no. when they go to watch a documentary like no. they would to go see a feature film, you know. Yeah. Um, right. And I and in that regard, it's democratized um, the industry. And I, I've often heard that, you know, documentary filmmakers just want to be known as filmmakers, you know, right? Um, right. Because they're storytellers just like anyone else, you know. Um, and it really has become. Um, I mean, just look at all the channels that have. Right. That type of programming, you know, it's it's crazy. Right. Um, I so, want you to know, get back. When... Oh, go ahead, Lori. Go ahead. No, no, no. I forgot what I was going to say. Well, no. I want I wanted to get back though. I was going to ask you about the film festivals. The most rewarding uh, experience for you getting into the film festival world. What have you enjoyed well, the know, most, and what do you? You know, what you know, you... I like that it keeps me in touch in the film world um, while I still have, like, a regular job. You know, I've also made friends right. over the years with some of the filmmakers, and it just sort of feeds the creative side of my soul. Um, right. And, again, you know, doing the film contest, I love nurturing. You know, matter of fact, mm-hmm. um, a couple of years ago, we added an educational component to the film contest in that, you know, I'd have like three professionals come and talk about different tips and, and strategies for sort of doing guerrilla filmmaking 
and, you know, tips on lighting, tips on sound. You know, everyone thinks you need all this fancy equipment. And it's like, right. if it's windy, go to your sock drawer, get a sock, put it over the microphone. You know, you don't need <laughs> right. to go by, you know. Right. There's a right. reason they call it a wind sock. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. at some point it was just a sock. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and that person was without a shoe the whole day. Um, but yes. <laughs> But yes, I mean it, it, that's that's got to be extremely rewarding. And, and 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 where do you see the future of these festivals going with you? I mean, where do you see it going? I mean, do you hope for some uh, bigger expansion in their reach or their well, theme or what they're doing? Do you have any plans for that? Well, well um, something we're working on right now is the Orange County Regional History Center downtown. Okay. Um, wants to archive all our migration films. Um, they're doing some wow. um, new exhibit in 2023. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, that's like so full circle moment as a history teacher, who, you know, who works in the film industry and teaches sure. film for the films that I've been producing the last, you know, this year will be the fifth year to actually end up in a in the history center is just like like I get kind of choked up just thinking about That's it. That's amazing. It's, yeah. It's, you know, yeah, I think we get into film because it gives us a piece of immortality. Like forever my name is going to be <sighs> underneath my friend Monty's name in the That's credits right. for Heathers, you know. It's like oh, back yeah. there forever. It you is. Know, and I really, I don't know if we even would think about that, but I really think it's a, it's a, a method of immortality subconsciously, you know, to sort of leave this mark on the world, whether people realize it or not. You know, you know you made it. You know, you know you, you made that mark, you know. Definitely. And is it a compulsion, though, too, Lori, for you as a, as a, as a film, as a film person? You want it, to tell stories, yeah. Do you it's want to tell stories? It's a pa- yeah. I you know um, I do it in my own way. I I don't right. know that I want to be a director. I don't like everyone clamoring me. What do we do here? What do we do here? You know, it's like I don't know what we do here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she says it all the time as a producer. I don't know why we're here. <laughs> Well, no, it's funny because I remember working on a job with this one director, Betsy Bangs. I love Betsy. And, right. you know, we used to joke driving Miss Betsy. Like, I had to take her to location every hour on the hour so she could see the right. light and whatnot. And um, the last job we did together, I was planning my wedding. And my, I was on the, in the production office on the phone with my mother, and she was pressing me on questions. And I was like, I don't know yet, da 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 and Betsy looked at me and she's like, it's not easy, is it? And I just laughed, you know. Yeah. Um, but people always are clamoring at you for answers. And sometimes you just don't know till you see it, you know. Um, but, you know, here's what's changed. Back in the day when you used to buy film, right? you know, and by the time you and I went through the industry, we printed all the film because it was right. easier for the lab than to stop. And, right. you know, it used to be they only printed the circle takes. And, you know, but you had a plan because it costs money to buy the stock. It costs money to process the stock and it costs money to print the stock, you know, and now you just have these memory cards that you can just keep shooting and shooting and shooting. It's amazing. 
but the problem is, is when you get into post-production, it's overwhelming. It is. You know, so so as a result, I don't think people are planning right. near as much as they used to. And, you know, I'm not saying take the spontaneity out. Certainly, you know, I think you have to go in with a plan of attack, but always keeping an open mind that if an opportunity you know, um, happy, you know, and happy accident, as we call it, you know, happens right. that you're open to that as well, you know. Right. Um, but I, you know, like, who was I talking to? One of my students and, you know, I was like, planning is the key, you know. It's like I knew yeah. I had done my job right if I was driving to set at 4.30 a.m. and my pager and cell phone weren't going off, you know, <laughs> and if I could actually get to set and eat breakfast without it being interrupted, sure. you know. That's it's true. like I did my job, you know. Well, you also used to always say to, to us, too, in pre-production, I mean, it's the cheapest way to get the job done right. You know, yeah. because I mean, yeah. it's there. It, I mean, all you're dealing with is paper and planning. You know, yeah. you're not on the set with you know hundreds of crew members standing there looking at you, going, "Okay, what do we do next?" And they're all <laughs> getting paid by the hour. You know, but right. you had everything right. mapped out. And I remember you used to make these extensive production books that oh, detailed yeah. everything. I was but like you know the what? queen of the production book. Well, but I got to tell you, everybody had them in their back pocket. Because everybody yeah. had the yeah. plan that was going to get done, and that I mean, oh, God knows, page. right? Uh, literally, and it, you know, literally. God knows how much money that saved, you know, in in the long yeah. run. Um, but I mean, looking at that now, you know, you're just talking about the, um, you know, less planning that type of thing. Where do you see the future of film going? I mean, how do you see it uh, going in the next? I don't or so. know. I, I, I really, I'm, I, I thought, you know, when COVID came, I was like, oh, my God, is our Internet going to hold up, you know, and it did. Yeah. And evidently, and evidently was actually created to grow with the need. Um, I just really don't know. I think maybe theaters are going to become more niche. Um, okay. As they sort of already have, you know, with like cocktails and food, food and, stuff right. like that. It's become more right. of an evening out, you know. Like my, I remember my dad talking about going to the movies and stopping and buying candy and a sandwich and a pickle for like 25 cents and they spent all day at the theater, you know. It's like That was a long like time like ago. 15, yeah, that was a really long time ago. Now it's like $15 just to go see the movie. Well, I think know? when you and I were at the um, movies last time, it was 7 bucks just for the soda. You know? Yeah. Yes, yes, it was, it's just ridiculous, it's ridiculous, um, but I think, I think theaters will survive, um, think I think so? they have to seriously reinvent themselves right. um, somehow, um, I mean, I was completely gobsmacked that I went to go see the 60th anniversary screening of the original West Side Story and was literally the only person in the theater, you know. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. You, you were know, the only like, person the in the pro- theater for West Side Story? Really? Yeah. And I sang out loud the whole freaking time. <laughs> <laughs> I did everything but get out of my seat and dance. Oh, um, she was a, when, you're, when you're a jet. <laughs> wow. 
You're a jet all the way that, from that, your that first cigarette to your. Oh, you got me started, Tony. That must have been. That must have been amazing. That must have been amazing. Okay, and how do you think? How really do you think? Fun. How do you think uh, streaming is going to parlay into that whole? I think we're d- dangerously courting a vertically integrated monopoly situation once again. I don't really get really? how the government. I mean, think about it. ABC owns Disney, and Disney owns ABC, that owns Paramount, that owns Viacom, right. that owns blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, how is this not monopoly? How is this not restraint of trade? You know, um, right. I, I think, um, I, I don't know. I, I think a day of reckoning is coming, but, you know, you? I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know. You know, the fact that we have men like Elon Musk who – you know, want to take over a, a social media outlet and, Twitter. you know, yeah. as a private citizen, do what he wants with it. Uh, it's kind of scary, you know? It is scary, yeah. It's kind of scary. Um, you it know, is scary. Uh, the film business, I really don't know. You know, prior to COVID, it was a 90-day run in movie theaters, minimum. Um, right. Now, you know, post-COVID, um, it's 45 days, you mm. know? Um, so, you know, I think it's already changed that people more and more are staying home, buying bigger TVs, better sound right. systems. Um, you know, I mean, I don't get this whole, we're releasing it on streaming and in a theater right. on the same day. That just, I don't, I don't understand what, how that could possibly be a successful business model. You know, well, I like, why say, would I, I don't go spend fifteen dollars if I can stay home and see it? You right. know, right, 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 exactly. Well, listen, as we move into the last five minutes of the show, I really would like you to um, go ahead and get that information out about the Global Peace Film Festival and also the festivals you're involved in, and please give the information where people can go to and find out more about entering films and, and that type of thing and, and, and uh, getting involved? Sure. Um, Global Peace Film Festival is peacefilmfestival.org. Uh, it's the third week. We're looking for volunteers. My email um, is lori.gpsfmanager um, at gmail.com. I forgot what my email address is. Um, if you want to be a volunteer, uh, you can go to Film Freeway and submit your films there. We have um, the regular festival that happens the first week. We also have online short films, and then we are going to have a whole week of online films after the live um, festival. And then if you want to be either a filmmaker or someone who we tell your story um, for Fusion Fest, please go to fusionfest.org forward slash film. Um, click on filmmaker. If you want to be a filmmaker, click share your story. If you want us to tell your story and um, you'll meet up with me at some point. <laughs> um, and uh, I look, yeah, um, you know, there's so much out there. And even if you don't participate as a filmmaker or subject, just attending these events, um, right. Fusion Fest is free on Thanksgiving weekend. It's become Orlando's new Thanksgiving weekend tradition. And yes. Global Peace Film Festival tickets are just not that expensive. So come and, and uh, find out how we can save our planet and heal the world. 
And these are films from all around the world, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, on, uh, oh, gosh, June 17th, I think, we're right. doing a Juneteenth um, event at the Winter Park Library um, yep. showing counter histories about, like, mm-hmm. the, you know, black people sitting at lunch counters. And I forget the other movie. I, I apologize. But uh, come out and see that. Um, it's free. That's June 17th um, at the Winter Park Library in Orlando, right? Yeah, hold That's on. June Let me just 17th. double check that real quick. Sure. No, no problem. That that that's definitely uh, information we want yep. to know. Juneteenth celebration, Winter Park Library, six p.m., ten fifty-two Westmore Boulevard, Global Peace Film Festival. That is fantastic. And again, I I, I do believe. I think you can probably go on Eventbrite. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we put it on Eventbrite too, just so we know okay. how many people are coming. So. Um, but, you know, if you, again, if you go on uh, org, you know, that stuff will be there. So, um, yeah. Lori, I, I, I really want to thank you for your time and your information, and I hope that you'll come back and visit with us again and talk more about Absolutely. the festivals and more about what you're doing with the students. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much for being Always. here. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you again. And that's our show for the evening, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Unscripted. Uh, We are here every Thursday night at 9 o'clock at Talk Radio. Please come back next Thursday at 9 o'clock and join us again for another episode of Unscripted. Thank you, Lori Turchin, and good night. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.